Hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am Margot, and I'm your host of this witchy podcast. <laughs> um, I was just explaining that I'm on the struggle bus today, so I hope that I don't come off as really monotone and near dead because um, I really just want to lay down and close my eyes. You ever have one of those days where you have a lot to do and much to accomplish, but the only thing that you want to do is lay down and close your eyes? That's where I am today. Anyway, um, I'm wondering if some of this has to do with the oncoming new moon in Scorpio, which is also aligned with my cycle. So those two things coming at the same time is just starting to make me feel like I need to lay down and close my eyes. Um, but uh, I have too much to do in order to get things done by this weekend, specifically launch the Coven Shop, that thing that I've been talking about since the very beginning of this podcast <laughs> is actually going to happen. I will be launching the Coven Shop on Sunday, the 12th. Um, haven't really figured out what time yet i will be posting about it on socials so stay tuned and i will be updating about it on the website so you can check there i'm very very excited about this shop i have personal recipes homemade products for protective powders like witch's salt eggshell powder spirit loose incense blends i have a collection of perfume oils that i have created myself that i'm really 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 fond of i have a collection of magical anointing oils for all the most important intentional purposes that we work with on magic most often. I have some candle spell kits that I am putting together that will be offered on the site as well as personally dressed and charged candles by myself. I have plant spirit bottle necklaces. Uh, I'm really, really fond of these. What else? What, what's going into the shop? I have some merch that's going into the shop. I have some adorable tees, uh, a bag, a hat, herb bundles, uh, herb smoke bundles, um, three different variations of those that will be going up, and a whole lot of other things. I'm really, really excited for this. It sounds like a lot, but this is actually going to be kind of a small opening, and I'm looking to expand the coven shop as time goes. But for now, this first launch is going to start off with the products that I've created, and then we will grow from there. I'm very, very excited about this, and I hope that you take a look at it, see if there's anything that you like, test it out, and give me feedback. So that's what I've been working on this week. I'm very, very busy with that, and I have a couple other fun things coming down the pipeline that I'm not quite ready to talk about yet, but I'm just going to put them in here because I just need to express how tired I am. <laughs> no. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, all that's happening uh, just before the new moon in Scorpio. New moon in Scorpio will be coming on Monday, November 13th at 425 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to be exact. And I always feel like the new moon in Scorpio is kind of a doozy. It carries potent astrological and magical energies as Scorpio is a water sign and ruled by transformative and intense Pluto, and also Mars if you're considering traditional astrology. And as the new moon uh, is a time of, you know, beginnings, 
here are some of the energies that you can expect to arrive with this particular moon phase and that you can choose to work with or embrace in your personal and or magical life. Transformation and rebirth. The new moon in Scorpio encourages personal growth and a shedding of old patterns and beliefs. It's a time for introspection and embracing the potential for rebirth in various aspects of life. Intense emotional energy. Uh, Scorpio is known for its intense and passionate nature. The new moon in Scorpio amplifies emotional energy, making it a powerful time for exploring and understanding deep-seated emotions. It's an opportunity to engage in emotional healing and release many pent-up feelings. Um, which brings us to shadow work. Scorpio is often associated with the shadow side of the self, the aspects that are hidden, repressed, or denied. And this new moon in Scorpio is an excellent time for shadow work, a process of acknowledging and integrating these hidden aspects for personal growth and self-awareness. Mind you, shadow work is not likely taken up. And if you feel you need help with shadow work, specifically professional help with shadow work, that's absolutely okay and wonderful and great and do that. Uh, it's not recommended that everyone just dive right into that. Some of us have some trauma that is uh, more easily uh, explored with the help of a professional. And there is no shame in that. Psychic sensitivity. Scorpio is a very psychic and intuitive sign. During the new moon in Scorpio, there may be an increase in psychic sensitivity and a heightened ability to connect with the unseen realms. It's a favorable time for divination, meditation, and exploring intuitive abilities, which also makes it a very favorable time for connecting with some plant spirits. Hint, hint. Sexual and spiritual alchemy. Scorpio is associated with both the physical and spiritual aspects of intimacy. And the new moon in Scorpio may bring energies that are conducive to exploring the alchemical connection between the physical and spiritual realms. And this can be a time for deepening intimate connections with and exploring spiritual aspects of sexuality. Power and empowerment. The new moon in Scorpio encourages individuals to reclaim their power, set intentions for personal empowerment, and release any disempowering beliefs or situations. A ritual to call back your power or your energy, this is a great time for something like that. Secrets and unveiling truths. This may bring energies that support uncovering hidden information, whether it's within oneself or in external situations. It's a great time for honesty and authenticity. <laughs> that sounds weird. It's always a great time for authenticity and honesty. Let's try to be those things all the time, okay? <laughs> um, so... If you want to get in on this or work with these magical energies, some magical practices for the new moon in Scorpio include intention setting and manifestation, which is a common new moon practice. But you can use the intense energy of Scorpio to set powerful intentions for personal transformation and growth. Write down your goals and desires, focusing on areas in your life where you seek profound change. Candle magic. Scorpio's association with depth and intensity make it suitable for candle magic with black or deep red candles to represent Scorpio's energy and focus on intentions related to transformation, healing, and empowerment. Water magic. 
Since Scorpio is a water sign, incorporate water elements into your magical practices. Consider performing rituals near bodies of water, using water for cleansing rituals, or incorporating water-themed symbols into your spells. Crystal work. Crystals such as obsidian, garnet, and malachite resonate with Scorpio's energy. You can use these in meditation, rituals, or as talismans to amplify the transformative and protective qualities associated with Scorpio. And finally, divination, of course. Scorpio's intuitive nature makes the new moon in Scorpio an excellent time for divination practices. Use tools such as tarot cards, runes, or scrying techniques, and you can use these to gain insights into hidden aspects of your life. Remember, the energies of the new moon in Scorpio are a bit intense and transformative, providing an opportunity for deep inner work as well as empowerment. And you can tailor your magical practices to align with your intentions and the energies you wish to cultivate during this lunar phase. Or you can sit it out and chill. Or you can have yourself a primal scream and chill. It's all up to you. Okay, let's talk about what we all came here for. Plant magic. Plant magic, also known as herbal magic or green witchcraft, is a practice that involves using plants, herbs, and botanical materials in magical and spiritual rituals. It's based on the belief that plants have inherent energies and properties that can be harnessed for various magical and spiritual purposes. Plant magic has deep historical roots and has been practiced in different forms and traditions throughout human history. That's the technical definition of plant magic. But on a deeper level, plants, like all things that grow from and thrive off of the earth, are very much alive. And because of that fact, they have spirit, a connection to the whole of existence that is not unlike our own. I suppose I should begin by explaining animism. As witches, most of us are animists. In fact, and... Forgive me for speaking so bluntly and unapologetically, but a true connection to nature and the earth is holy, and a practice as a witch is, for lack of a better term, empty and formless without the presence of animism. And that's the belief that all things have a spirit. All things being connected are enlivened by spirit all around us at all times. And plants are no exception. Plant spirits can be the human spirit's greatest allies in this life. Next to dog spirits, maybe. <laughs> just kidding, but not really. And far from being just ingredients in our medicine, our culinary recipes, and our spell work, these are allies. They give wisdom. They offer healing. They offer pain sometimes. And they offer magical assistance if we are willing to open ourselves up to them and listen, learn from them, and of course, treat them with respect. Now, rather than go on waxing poetic about how we should think of and approach the plant kingdom from a magical perspective, I decided to ask some dear friends and coven sisters of mine to weigh in with their own personal thoughts on plant or herbal magic and how they listen and communicate with these particular spirits. And they gave me some really great perspectives. So first, from my wonderful and sweet friend Claire, 
I feel like plant magic is just sitting down and having a conversation with the plants, walking among them, admiring them, learning from lessons they teach us. They are cognizant beings as much as we are. Once I quiet my mind and body, I feel like they are better teachers on life than any words from a human. And I have from wonderful, wonderful Tabitha. I've kind of always thought plants are magical, even in the mundane. The incredible variety of medicinal uses, the intelligence, the survival skills, plants are just amazing. As for plant magic, there's so much. Just being in nature, connecting to the energy of the earth or the plant itself, and working with that energy to use in spellcraft or to meditate with can all be different magical uses. Back to Claire. The fact that plants exist and grow the way they do is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> They're out there in the cold right now, and I'm being a little baby inside my house with just skin for warmth. <laughs> Back to Tabitha. Trees are so smart. If there's a disease or something coming through, they'll put out a warning signal to warn other trees and can send other trees nutrients. They communicate with each other. And then finally, wonderful, amazing Teresa. Plants are so inspiring, the amount that they grow through. There is birth, breaking ground, emerging from their seeds, developing, blossoming, blooming, and then dying so they can be reborn. The whole ecosystem, the flora and fauna of this world is astounding. I am constantly blown away by the lessons that plants, trees, mountains, and the sky have to teach. It's just a surreal and magical thing when you sit and think about it. And then on the subject of communicating with plants, Teresa adds, lots of time and attention. I feel like it takes time to develop a relationship with a tree. Think about how much they see. They can live for hundreds of years just witnessing the passing by of people, the development of society. I love to just always give it a little pat or a hug, give it some offerings and talk to it and try to listen for a response. To which Claire responds, I feel like I have an ant sweet gum in a park near my house. She's been so nurturing. Back to Tabitha. I do a lot of listening and meditating with them. A lot of the time, I'll just sit in my forest and listen to the sounds of the trees and try to hear what they're saying. I always ask permission and leave offerings as well, especially if I'm using something. And that is the conversation that I got from these wonderful, wonderful women on plant magic. I feel so lucky to have people like this that I can tap into for some input on a topic like plant magic. And I'm very grateful to have them. But they offer a lot of interesting perspective. And what they all have in common is this animistic point of view about the plant having a spirit and how we have to reach out and connect and communicate and nurture a relationship. And that's where plant magic actually begins. Um, so let's talk about how it began on the human timeline, however, its historical origins. Plant magic has ancient origins, with evidence of its practice dating back to ancient civilizations like the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans. These cultures recognized the medicinal and spiritual properties of various plants and incorporated them into their religious and healing practices. In ancient Egypt, plants held great importance in religious rituals and funerary practices. 
the Ebers Papyrus, an ancient Egyptian medical text dating back to around 1550 BCE, contains information on the use of various plants for medicinal purposes. Additionally, the Egyptians believed in the magical properties of specific plants. For instance, the blue lotus was considered sacred and associated with the divine. Greek mythology is rich with stories of gods and goddesses associated with specific plants. The healing properties of herbs were explored in the works of ancient Greek physicians like Hippocrates and Dioscorides. The use of herbs for both medicinal and magical purposes was intertwined in the ancient Greek worldview. Romans inherited much of their herbal knowledge from the Greeks and also incorporated it into their own traditions. The Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder documented various plants and their uses in his work Naturalis Historia. Romans used herbs in religious ceremonies and specific plants were associated with deities and festivals. Indigenous cultures around the world have a long history of incorporating plants into their spiritual practices. Native American tribes, for example, use herbs like sage, tobacco, and sweetgrass, just to name a few, in purification rituals and ceremonies, as well as offerings to the land and ancestors. The knowledge of plant properties was passed down through generations and played a crucial role in traditional healing practices. Traditional Chinese medicine, with its roots in ancient China, heavily relies on the use of herbs and plants for healing. The Shen Nong Ben Chao Jing, a Chinese herbal medicine classic attributed to the mythical emperor Shen Nong, provides information on the medicinal properties of numerous plants. Chinese alchemists also explored the spiritual and magical aspects of plants as well. Throughout medieval Europe, folk traditions centered around the magical properties of plants. Herbalists and wise women, often referred to as witches, used plants in healing salves, potions, and charms. The concept of the doctrine of signatures suggested that the appearance of a plant was indicative of its medicinal and magical uses. Medieval and Renaissance magical grimoires, such as the Picatrix and the Book of Abremelin, often contained instructions for using plants and herbs in magical rituals. These texts, influenced by a blend of Middle Eastern, European, and ancient traditions, detailed the correspondences and magical properties of various plants. These examples illustrate that the use of plants in magical and spiritual practices is deeply rooted in the historical traditions of diverse cultures. Whether for healing, religious ceremonies, or spell work, ancient civilizations recognized the potent qualities of plants and incorporated them into their daily lives, as well as their sacred rituals. Throughout history, folk traditions and indigenous cultures around the world have used plants for healing, divination, and protection. These practices often involve making herbal remedies, creating charms, and performing rituals using plants and herbs. Moving into more modern times, the revival of interest in plant magic in the modern era is closely associated with the rise of neo-paganism, Wicca, and other contemporary witchcraft traditions. Not that they ever died away, they just became much more popular around this time. Today, the use of herbs and plants in spell work and rituals is common. Practitioners purchase, forage for, and even grow and prepare their own herbs for spell work, herbal remedies, incense, offerings, talismans, and various other purposes.
In plant magic, different plants possess specific properties and abilities, as well as correspondences, such as associations with particular elements, planets, deities, and magical intentions. For example, lavender may be associated with love and relaxation, while rosemary is linked to protection and purification, among other things for both of these. Plant magic is employed for a wide range of purposes today, including healing, the use of herbs for physical and emotional well-being, divination, burning herbs for scrying or incorporating them into divination tools, protection, creating sachets or amulets to ward off negative energy or entities, as well as burning them for the same purpose, love and relationships, preparing love spells or charms using specific plants, purification, smoke cleansing or using herbal baths to cleanse spaces or individuals, prosperity, utilizing herbs to attract wealth and abundance, spirituality, connecting with nature and the spiritual energies of plants. So plant magic involves a variety of rituals and practices, such as making herbal teas or infusions, creating sachets, um, drawing herbal baths, burning herbs as incense, and crafting herbal talismans or charms, and much more. Spiritual individuals may also meditate with certain plants as a way of forming a connection and listening for the plant's guidance and medicine. The choice of plants and how they're used depend on the practitioner's intentions and the specific tradition that they follow. But there are, and I should say here, that there are ethical considerations to take into account with plant magic, as with all things. The ethical and sustainable harvesting of plants is an important aspect of plant magic, and responsible practitioners emphasize the need to respect the environment and only gather plants in a responsible manner, considering issues like conservation as well as cultural appropriation. Just one example that many of us already know of, and we all see the white sage bundles when we enter into a metaphysical shop, and hopefully cringe. <laughs> Not only is this plant endangered, but it's part of some sacred indigenous rituals and ceremonies that Native Americans weren't even legally allowed to take part in until the 1970s. For these and several other reasons, the plant simply doesn't belong in the hands of most practitioners. Educating ourselves on issues with some plants, trees, and resins, such as this one, is an extremely important aspect of our plant magic practice. And as I said, if we approach these plant spirits with respect in the first place, it really shouldn't be all that difficult to make that effort. The practice of plant magic places a strong emphasis on fostering a personal and intuitive connection with plants and nature, recognizing the inherent energies, and spiritual qualities within the botanical world. Here are some ways that you can begin to develop and also how plant magic can encourage this intimate relationship. Meditation and mindfulness. Practitioners of plant magic often engage in meditation and mindfulness exercises to connect with plants on a deeper level. This may involve sitting quietly in nature, 
focusing on the energy of a specific plant and attuning oneself to its presence. Through such practices, individuals can develop a heightened awareness of the subtle energies and vibrations of plants, sometimes referred to as the second song, which is something that I'm going to be reading to you shortly. Gardening and cultivation. Planting and tending to a garden is a common practice in plant magic. This hands-on approach allows individuals to develop a direct relationship with the plants that they are cultivating as they observe the growth cycles, seasonal changes, and unique characteristics of each plant, a deeper understanding and connection naturally unfolds. Nature walks and exploration, my favorite. Spending time in nature and taking walks in natural settings provide opportunities for practitioners to encounter various plants that they might not encounter on a regular basis. By observing, touching, and interacting with these plants in their native environments, individuals can develop a sense of connection and attunement with the energies of different plant species and the land where you live. Learning plant lore and folk traditions. Delving into folklore, mythology, and traditional uses of plants is an integral part of plant magic. Learning about historical and cultural significance of specific plants enhances a practitioner's understanding and connection. And this knowledge often includes understanding the medicinal properties, associations with deities, and magical correspondences of various plants. I remember when I started studying herbology, uh, I was taking a course and it's almost impossible to study the medicinal value that a plant brings without also studying the spiritual and magical. To separate them just doesn't seem right. And you, and you may find that once you start looking into one aspect of a plant, you feel pulled to look into that other aspect. It just unfolds in a way that is completely impossible to ignore. Intuitive plant selection. Plant magic encourages practitioners to trust their intuition when selecting plants for rituals, spells, or healing purposes. This involves tuning into one's instincts, feelings, and inner guidance to choose plants that resonate with the practitioner's intentions and energies. One practice I invite you all to try uh, is the next time you go to your local metaphysical shop or the next time you visit the spice section of your grocery store is to just feel what calls to you and select something without even knowing why you're selecting it. Take it home and then do some research on it. Find out why it called to you. That could be a really, really valuable and also fun exercise. Communication with plants. Some practitioners believe in the ability to communicate with plants on a spiritual level, myself included. And this may involve using meditation again or visualization techniques to establish a psychic connection with a plant seeking insights, guidance, or a mutual exchange of energy. Kind of like what we do when we ground with the earth. Creating personal rituals. Developing personal rituals and ceremonies that involve plants allows practitioners to infuse their own energy and intention into their magical practices. And this might include crafting personalized incenses, potions, or charms. Absolutely love to do this. It's like having a little laboratory set up in my dining room and just going crazy with plants. I don't think my husband loves it quite as much as I do, but that's okay. <laughs> and you can use these plants that hold specific significance to yourself 
or to someone that you know and love, and you can share this knowledge and this magic and this medicine with those around you. Respect for nature. Plant magic emphasizes the importance of fostering a deep respect for nature and the environment. Practitioners are encouraged to approach plants with gratitude, acknowledging the interconnectedness of all living beings and recognizing the role of plants in maintaining balance and harmony in the natural world. By actively engaging with plants in these ways, practitioners of plant magic cultivate a personal and intuitive connection that goes beyond a simple utilitarian use of herbs. This approach encourages a profound appreciation for the wisdom of nature, a respect for the cycles of life, and a recognition of the spiritual energies present in the plant kingdom. It's a holistic and it's an immersive practice that invites individuals to explore their own relationship with the green realms and the mysteries of the natural world. Can you tell how much I'm geeking out right now? (laughs) So plant magic is a diverse and evolving practice that draws from both historical traditions and modern witchcraft. It is a way for practitioners to connect with the natural world, tap into the energies of plants, and enhance their magical and their spiritual practices, as well as their magical and their spiritual prowess. While it has ancient roots, it continues to adapt and grow in contemporary contexts. And before I let you go, I have book recommendations if you are interested in diving deeper into plant magic or you just want to get your hands on some books for reference material. Um, I've got so many books on plant magic, but I picked out these specific ones um, kind of as like a starter pack. And of course, you can do what you want with these suggestions. If you have books that you love, stick to those books. But if you're thinking of maybe grabbing a couple or a few, this is what I really, really like. So I'm going to end with the one that I actually want to read from. And that's how we're going to end this, this super duper wonderful podcast episode that's going to go down as the best thing you ever listened to in your life. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to end with the one that I'm going to read from. So uh, in the realm of plant magic, I have kind of an oldie, no, definitely an oldie, but obviously a goodie, Um, something to just have as a reference. I have Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs by Scott Cunningham. This was one of the only extensive plant magic encyclopedias that was available for a very long time. Fortunately, now we have a much bigger selection to choose from when we venture out to bookstores or we shop online. There's a lot more out there than there used to be. And a great example of that is plant witchery. Discover the sacred language, wisdom, and magic of 200 plants by Juliet Diaz. This one is absolutely amazing. Hands down, it's my favorite plant magic book. It's got an extensive list of plants and offers information about their medicinal properties, their essential properties, and their magical properties. One of my favorite things about this book is in the beginning, uh, or at least towards the beginning, there is a plant meditation ritual laid out for you so that you can follow this ritual as a way of helping you connect 
with a plant spirit and start to develop an intimate relationship with a plant spirit. This is an absolutely wonderful book that I highly recommend. Another one that I really, really enjoy is Folk Magic and Healing, An Unusual History of Everyday Plants by Fez Inkright. Um, very much also kind of like a plant magic encyclopedia, but leans heavily into folklore. There are excerpts from books and poems in here and a lot of folklore regarding specific plants. Uh, and it's also a very beautiful book as well. I also really, really enjoy Witchcraft Medicine, Healing Arts, Shamanic Practices, and Forbidden Plants by Claudia Muller-Ebeling, Christian Ratch, and Wolf Dieter Storl. This is also a very, very interesting and extensive source for material on plant magic and medicine. Finally, not necessarily a book, but a way to really dive deeper into plant magic and, in, and also in combination with divination is the Magical Botanical Oracle, Plants from the Witch's Garden by Maxine Miller and Christopher Penzak. This is one of my favorite oracle decks. It's absolutely beautiful, and it has a lot of wonderful information about plant magic and medicine. And then on a more practical level, you want to get yourself something that offers information about the medicinal properties of plants. One of my favorites is Rodal's Illustrated Encyclopedia of Herbs. It's a big, thick, hefty boy. It's an extremely beneficial aid to have with you if you're specifically interested in the medicinal properties and how plants are used in modern herbalism. And then something that everybody should probably have on hand is a field guide. I have Peterson Field Guide to Medicinal Plants and Herbs of Eastern and Central North America because that's where I'm located. But you can get this type of field guide for pretty much anywhere you might be. And it's uh, really helpful if you want to go out exploring and want to identify plants. Um, and then back to plant identification. We also have the benefit of some apps that are extremely helpful in that realm. The one that I use and really enjoy is Picture This. It's an app where you can photograph any plants or, or trees that you come across outside and it will help you identify them. Um, it's very nice to be able to identify everything that's growing directly on your property because one time <laughs> I thought I saw some yarrow growing in my backyard and it turned out to be white snake root. And I quickly removed it from any areas where my dogs or chickens like to hang out because it's extremely toxic. But I allowed it to keep growing outside of my fenced-in area because um, I tend to think of poisonous plants as very protective. And this thing keeps popping up all over the place. So it's welcome as long as it's not anywhere where my animals can gain access to it. Um, and then the last book recommendation that I have for you is an absolutely beautiful book that also comes with an oracle deck, and it is the Illustrated Herbiary. Includes 36 oracle cards, guidance, and rituals from 36 bewitching botanicals by Maya Toll. And when I tell you that the illustrations in this book are beautiful, I really mean that they are stunning stunning. And they are the same illustrations that you will get on the Oracle deck that comes along with. So I'm going to leave you all, leave, leave you all, leave y'all. I'm going to leave off with y'all. <laughs> Why am I having trouble saying that? I'm going to leave off with a reading from the Herbiary by Maya Toll. 
If doctors had to take the medicines they prescribe before giving them to anyone else, I suspect they'd write fewer prescriptions. My teacher made this particular pronouncement while we were sorting elderberries, picking the plump fruit off toxic fuchsia stems. We were sitting at her dining room table, the same table we ate all of our meals, gathered with classes, and sat to consult with clients. There were many such pronouncements during my year-long apprenticeship in Ireland. This one felt no more or less profound than any of the others, and as my fingers continued to sift berry from stem, I amused myself imagining med students popping colored pills and suffering mythical fates like growing wings and horns as the chemicals combined in turbulent and unexpected ways. I never suspected that this tart statement would become a guiding principle in my pursuit of knowledge, both for healing the body and for salving the spirit. But in many ways, it encapsulates the difference between traditional shamanic healing and the modern healthcare system. Pause for a second and think about medical students and doctors experiencing the effects of the medications they prescribe and the effects of mixing medications before they dose others. It's completely antithetical to how medicine is taught today. And yet, this is exactly how medicine was learned for thousands of years. Traditional wisdom and healing are based on the healer knowing the medicine deeply and personally through sight, scent, taste, and the feel of it moving within their body. Even beyond these very tangible interactions, a traditional healer, medicine person, or shaman knows the story of the medicine, the song it sings in the universe, its unique energy signature. I call this energy the second song. When someone asks, do you think this herb will work for me? Two different songs play through my mind. The first song of chemicals, the notes science can see, which clearly say this plant goes with that disease. The other song is more subtle. It's the song of synchronicity and alignment, the deep sense of harmony and dialogue that happens when a person finds the right medicine, capital M, for them in that moment. Something mystical, an elixir not only for the body, but for the soul as well. The first song is easy to teach. It's a simple matter of memorization and wrapping your tongue around a bunch of multisyllabic words, which luckily come from Latin, so have a structure that can be parsed. You can learn this first song from any competent teacher. But the second song? I've worked for years finding a way to transmit the second song, to find the right exercises to help you hear the harmonies that happen when a plant and person come together. This book gives voice to the plant's medicine songs, so you can feel their energy for yourself and access their cadences for your own learning and healing. While other teachers might choose different words or images, the energy that runs underneath my chosen language is universal. If you're a plant person, I suspect you'll quickly recognize the vibration of your botanical friends as they appear on these pages. All right. Well, that is all that I have for you today. So please do me a favor and be well and also have, <clears throat> fuck, and also have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, Coffee Stained Notes on Witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you're listening. If you'd like some more content, please go to aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, the living grimoire, and soon to come, 
The Coven Shop. You can follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between each word over on threads under the same exact handle. Or you can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash a is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at aisforagrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join the community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash aisforagrimony, where I share early release, unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, occasional bonus content, and more to come. Again, thank you for listening. Be well and have an amazing weekend.